Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We're looking at the Bible, which we believe to be God's revealed message to us, that He's given to us so we can follow Christ. We're working our way through 1 John. This is a letter that the Apostle John wrote late in the first century to a group of churches in the area of Ephesus. They were having challenges with being followers of Christ in the real world. This is episode 20. And we're looking at 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Let's read the passage. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Well, before we go into this, we need to review what John is talking about, why John is saying these things, because some of it we can we get the wrong idea if we forget the context. The problem was false teachers. The problem was that there was a group of people who had been part of the church, had seemingly been part of the community of Christ followers, but had broken away, and they're now teaching things that are just wrong. Now, they probably were teaching some things that were wrong while still in the church, but now they have broken away, and they're leading people astray. John calls them the antichrists. He calls them false teachers. And we've got to remember what their problem is. These are what we would call proto-Gnostics. Gnosticism hasn't really fully matured into an actual system of thought at this point. That'll be another 50 to 80 years down the road. But the thoughts that led to it were active. And that was the problem that John was dealing with. These people teaching this Gnostic kind of thought, which will lead and and blossom into full-blown Gnosticism in just a few years. What they're teaching are, they're teaching lies about Christ. They're denying who Christ really is. They're given a a very non-biblical, non-apostolic account of of what happened with Jesus. This is particularly a big deal for John, because remember, John was there. John was a follower of Christ in person. John was with Jesus for three and a half years. John was one of the 12 apostles. John was one of the inner circle. John was there when Jesus was crucified. John was there when Jesus rose from the dead. John was there when Jesus ascended to heaven. John was there when the the miracles all took place. John was very much a witness to all of this. So now that this group of people are denying basic truths, essential truths, John's taken this uh, very seriously. They've changed the whole idea of who Jesus is. Jesus was just a man. And then at his baptism, the Christ spirit descended upon him. Then he was the Christ for three and a half years. Then he was crucified. And at his death on the cross, the Christ spirit left him. And then the man Jesus died and was buried. So they're teaching lies about Christ. They're teaching lies about sin. They've got a strange idea about a lot of things, about who Jesus is, who God is, and what spirituality looks like. And they've decided that it's all about knowledge. This is why they're called Gnostics. Gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. 
And their goal was to have this special knowledge, to be one of the elites, to have the special knowledge that the, the common people didn't have so they could get in touch with true spirituality. Now, they use the word sin, and this, this is still the case. If you, you can look up uh, websites for Gnostic groups today, and they still use words like sin, but they pour a very different meaning into it. Their goal is knowledge, and so they equate sin with ignorance. To live in a state of ignorance is to live in sin, and to be freed from sin is to, be, to gain this new special knowledge, to be free from the, the sins of where we had been living. In their view, matter is basically evil. What's good is spirituality. So what one does in the physical world, what one does in the physical body, really doesn't matter. Now, our concept of sin is doing things wrong. If I hate somebody, that is sin. If I attack somebody, that is sin. If I speak ill of someone, that is sin. If I violate God's standards for living, that is sin. They had a very different view of sin. If I just didn't have the special knowledge, that was sin. So their teachings about sin are basically, it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you just know correctly. And that's why John is writing this letter, because they're leading people astray, because Christ they are speaking about is not the Christ that we learn about in the Bible, not the Christ that John followed, not the Christ that John was continuing to follow, not the Christ of the gospel. So they're leading people astray, leading people away from salvation, leading people into uh, eternity of lostness. So when uh, John uses some words like everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, he's not saying everyone who commits a singular sin. He's talking about a way of life. Those who deny morality, which is the Antichrist, they're denying basic morality. Now, when he says lawlessness, he's not referring to the law of the Old Testament. He's referring to just general lack of morality. And, and that's what the, the Antichrist are engaged in, just amoral behavior. And so John's challenging that. If you are committing sin, that is, if you are engaged in a pattern, a lifestyle of sin, that's lawlessness, and that's wrong. Then he goes on to talk more about sin. Verse 5, he says, You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. He's talking about Jesus here. You can't say sin doesn't matter and have a biblical concept of what Jesus did. The whole reason Jesus came to earth, lived as a a man amongst us was because of sin, so that he could take away the sins of the world. And he adds, there is no sin in him. So here he refers to Jesus as the sinless one. And so this is, you know, part of the, the overall picture he's painting of Jesus. In chapter 2, verse 29, he said, Jesus is the righteous one. In chapter 3, verse 3, he says, Jesus is the pure one. And here in Chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Jesus is the sinless one. So he's describing Jesus. Jesus is this one who is righteous, who is pure, who is sinless, and we are to follow him, follow his example. Then in verse 6, he says, Everyone who remains in him does not sin. 
Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Now, just read that without the, the knowledge of the context. It, it, it doesn't sit right. It sounds like anybody who's a follower of Christ will never commit a sin. And anybody who commits a sin cannot be a follower of Christ. That's what he's talking about. He's saying there are two groups of people here. Those who remain in him. I remember we saw the word remain earlier. We said that's the same word as abide. Those who abide in Christ and those who sin. Those are the two groups of people and you can't be one of both. You're either abiding in Christ or you're living in a pattern of sin. He's not talking about committing a sin. He's talking about a way of life. The two ways of life are following Christ or following one's own desires. Now, somebody who's following Christ may fall into sin, but doesn't walk in sin. He right, talked earlier about the, the patterns of walking in the darkness or walking in the light. So he's talking about a lifestyle, a pattern of how we live. Just some interesting thing about these three verses are repeated words. He uses the word everyone twice. This started back in chapter 2, verse 29. He used the term everyone. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Throughout his letter, several times, he uses this idea of everyone. Everyone who does this is that. Everyone who doesn't do this is that. So he uses these uh, somewhat global descriptions, and he's describing the two groups. Remember, John's dividing the world into two categories, those who are followers of Christ and those who are not. So when he says everyone, he's describing the group of people and the descriptor of them. So in chapter 4, everyone who commits sin, he's talking about those who are not followers of Christ. Then in verse 6, everyone who remains in him, He's talking about those who are followers of Christ. He uses the word in verse 5, revealed. And this is a word we've seen several times here. Remember, revealed is the way he describes Jesus appearing and the revealing of Jesus to us. So this is a, a word that we see several times here about the revealing. Not special knowledge, but the revealing of the reality of Jesus, the reality of Christ, the reality of God's word, the truth of God is being revealed to us and being revealed to us through Jesus. And the other word he uses uh, here again, is he sees it in, or we see it in verse six, remains. This is a word that also can be translated as abides. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. This goes back to this descriptor of the two groups. One group is those who are stuck in sin. The other group is those who remain in Christ. That is, they abide in Christ. So we've got to remember these, uh, this big picture in order to understand John's letter and what he's talking about. He says, you know, there's, there's two groups, and you're either part of one or part of the other. You're either somebody who's following Christ or you're somebody who's not. He's specifically, uh, of those who are not following Christ, really addressing the false teachers and contrasting them from the true followers of Christ. But the same remains true for us. We're either part of the group who are following Christ or we're not. And there's some descriptors. If we are following Christ, then we should be following his example 
as the righteous one, the pure one, the sinless one. And as we encounter people around us, we need to also remember that. Everybody we meet, everybody we see, everybody we know is one of two groups. They are either followers of Christ or they are not. And if they're not, what they need is they need the gospel. They need to respond in faith to the gospel so that they too can be adopted by God. Well, thanks for joining me. Uh, get with me next time as we continue working through 1 John chapter 3.